0: This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Israeli airstrikes have killed dozens of Palestinians, including nine children over 48 hours on Monday and Tuesday, as a conflict that began in East Jerusalem threatens to turn into a larger war. Saying that it was responding to Hamas rocket fire, Israel sent over 130 airstrikes into the heavily populated Palestinian territory of Gaza. More than a hundred people were wounded. The escalation of Israeli violence comes weeks after Israeli settlers in the East Jerusalem neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah began to carry out evictions of Palestinians from their homes. In a microcosm of the broader, decades-long colonialist Israeli project, of taking over Palestinian land. And Israeli police forces stormed the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound in Jerusalem, one of the holiest Muslim sites during the month of Ramadan, injuring hundreds of Palestinian worshippers. We turn to Haweda Araf, Palestinian-American lawyer and human rights activist, co-founder of the International Solidarity Movement, former chair of the Free Gaza Movement, and she's also our Palestine and Refugees correspondent. Welcome back to the program, Haweda. Thank you for having me, Sonali. So let's first start with the airstrikes that took place over Monday and Tuesday and I imagine are still taking place. As usual, we are seeing media coverage cast it as Israel simply responding in self-defense to a rocket attacks from hamas um and the violence is of course disproportionate it's not really being put into the broader context of what has just happened over the past two weeks how serious is this latest chapter in what seems to be something that recurs every few years with israel firing hundreds of strikes into gaza
1: well you know you're exactly right that it is not looked at in the context of what Israel has been doing for decades to Palestinians. And we hear the same rhetoric from you know, U.S. officials and politicians about Israel's right to defend itself. And that is inaccurate on a number of levels. Two that I'll point out being, it, one, Israel is not responding or defending itself because it is the initial aggressor. And it, it when you're the initial aggressor, you don't have a right to defend yourself uh, because you use the initial force, and that's what Israel has been using against Palestinians throughout the occupied Palestinian territories. And secondly, Israel is an occupying power. So it has a responsibility for the health and well-being of the people that it occupies. And therefore, to launch rockets at them and missiles uh, against a largely defenseless occupied people is a war crime. Uh, So Israel is not defending itself, it is the initial aggressor, and instead of bearing responsibility for the health and welfare of the people that they occupy, they have been viciously attacking them, not only with their artillery, uh, but also with their policies, like in Gaza, an unlawful closure. Gaza has been virtually sealed for 15 years now, uh, driving the territory into dire, dire um, straits and, and they create a humanitarian catastrophe where par- people are barely able to survive. Uh, and, and you're right. And this, Israel does this every time it's politically convenient for it to do so, every time it wants to detract from something else like the political situation inside Israel. The fact that uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Human Rights Watch came out and accused Israel of crimes against humanity, of persecution and apartheid. This is a great diversionary tactic to say we're responding to uh, terrorism.
0: Let's actually go to the issue of what um, initiated this ch- chapter of violence, and that is uh, Israeli settlers, um, you know, doing what Israeli settlers have done, but uh, this is sort of a new escalation, new-ish escalation in the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood of East Jerusalem. In fact, I want to play a video that has gone viral of an interaction between one Israeli settler. Who happens to have a Brooklyn accent, and a Palestinian woman. They have a brief interaction in English that basically lays out uh, just how um, problematic the situation is and what it means when we hear the term Palestinian evictions, which is how the uh, US media refers to it. Here is that viral video.
1: Jacob, you know this is not your house. Yes, but if I go, you don't go back. So what's the problem? Why are you yelling at me? I didn't do this. I didn't do this. But But you—it's easy to yell at me, but I didn't do this. You are stealing my house. And if I don't steal it, someone else is going to steal it. No, no one, no one uh, uh, is allowed uh,
0: to steal it, um. Yami. If I don't steal it, someone else will," he said. Uh, this how 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 well does this video illustrate what's happening in Sheikh Jarrah and and in the broader East Jerusalem area?
1: Well, he, he's right on that front because it's not just individual settlers; these are large settler organizations that are have been planning a for decades and raising money. I might add. They are largely funded by organizations uh, right here in the United States, many of them masquerading as 501c3 charitable organizations, so they're giving tax donations to people uh, or tax credit to people who donate to them, and then they are sending this money over to these settler organizations that have clear plans to clean out, clear out uh, Jerusalem and also the West Bank of its native Palestinian population. And they are not uh, shy about that. And therefore when the settler is saying, if I don't take it, somebody else will, he's right in that another settler, um, the settler organization in itself will take the home. And that itself is problematic, but Israel is presenting this as a legal issue. Uh, and it's reviewing it in its courts and it's reviewing documents that uh, Jews owned this land prior to 1948. Uh, That's a a problem on a couple of different levels. One, they are only looking at documents presented to it by a certain settler organization that this land was owned by Jews prior to 1948. The Palestinian families offered to show documents and the court rejected that. So they're only looking at one set of documents. But even if it's true that their documents are valid and this land belonged to, uh, had Jewish owners uh, pre-1948. What the court is essentially saying is, oh, since it belonged to Jews, we can turn it back over to Jews. But it's not the original landowners that are claiming it. It is these settler organizations that are trying to, uh, again, get all of this territory. And to say that this land, because it originally belonged to Jews, can now go back to Jews or should go back to a settler organization 70 years later, while not allowing Palestinians to do the same. These families that are there now were kicked out of their homes in what is now Israel. So they have claims to homes and to land, to villages that are inside Israel if the israeli courts want to let palestinians exercise that right too and to go back to their homes then okay no problem but they're only saying that this applies to jews and that's the problem this is settler colonialism this is uh ethno religious superiority that is practiced that it, it, by the israeli state by the settlers and and enforced by the israeli courts
0: and then of course we had the attack that i'd mentioned in the al aqsa mosque during ramadan this is considered one of the most holy for Muslims in the world and while Palestinians were worshiping uh, Palestinian Muslims were worshiping um, there was a raid in fact there's a short video that will play as well now before we turn back to my guest hawada Araf here is what happened a glimpse of what happened inside the mosque compound <laughs> And that is a very violent police raid, um, which, you know, um, injured hundreds of people. there? tell me about this raid. What happened and why did Israeli police raid this mosque?
1: Well, of course, the Israeli police said it was responding to uh, the mosque being used as some kind of uh, center point uh, for something. That's what they always say in that there are attacks. This was a security issue, but there is nothing of the sort. If it, if it's the footage, I didn't get to see or hear it, but I, that I think you showed it, that it was a raid that was carried out not only during Ramadan in one of Islam's most holiest sites, Um, but carried out on the uh, most sacred holy night in Ramadan. Laylat al-Qadr, people were there to pray, and you can see that, women, elderly, uh, there to pray. There was no one that would tolerate uh, the mosque being used for whatever Israel says it's being used for. Uh, Israel's actions were provocative, and the response of The US administration is absolutely shameful. There is footage of this. It's clear that they were worshipers and it was attacked very violently. Any other country doing this in any other place, this would be a hate crime. This would be an attack on freedom of religion. This would elicit sanctions or condemnations. And all we hear from the United States, if anything, is we urge both sides to calm the situation, there is no both sides here. And if we're going to put it, uh, you know, there, obviously every situation is different. I often don't like to make comparisons, but if we can just imagine any uh, et- ethnic black brown community here in the United States, let's say we have a black neighborhood, what the state the state coming in to a black neighborhood and forcefully evicting. Uh, Black families from their homes, throwing them out uh, so white families can move in. And then white nationalists marching through the neighborhood with Confederate flags being protected by the state while police officers beat up black families and their supporters protesting black people in churches that are praying uh, in order to satisfy these white nationalists marching through these black neighborhoods with their Confederate flags, that was going on. And what you can see in other videos is the Palestinian response, chanting, singing, nonviolent protesting, and they are being brutalized, brutalized. Uh, And all we hear from the United States administration is both sides need to deescalate tensions, if anything. And now it's Israel has a right to defend itself while it is slaughtering people and children in Gaza. So So, what we-
0: So so the State Department uh, doing a sort of both sides need to back off argument, sadly is almost relatively progressive for the US, which in the past has not even acknowledged the humanity of Palestinians and their right to simply exist. Of course, it's not nearly good enough. And then you have a supposed progressive like Andrew Yang, who's running for mayor of New York, who just tweeted, not even a both sides argument. He simply said, I'm standing with the people of Israel who are coming under bombardment attacks and condemn the Hamas terrorists. The people of New York City will always stand with our brothers and sisters in Israel who face down terrorism and persevere. I was really shocked by that because there's members of Congress today who are very openly, Um, laying bare this argument that all Palestinians are terrorists um, simply for wanting to live in their homes. But here's Andrew Yang. What do you make of this?
1: You know, it was a, a disgusting, opportunistic statement. He is running for mayor of New York, so he thinks that this is the kind of statement that he needs to make in order to get a certain number of votes. But let's be clear, he is vying for votes of right-wing extremists that do dehumanize Palestinians. And I think he'll discover that he is wildly miscalculated where people are, where the American people are on what's happening in the occupied Palestinian territories and what Israel has been doing. Because what we are seeing now in the not only the progressive movement, the human rights community, the intersectional justice movement across the United States, not across the world, is that people recognize what's been happening. We're calling out apartheid and settler colonialism and Poll after poll taken in the United States are showing that the American people largely want the United States to put more pressure on Israel, are sympathizing, are understanding more of the Palestinian plight and that Palestinians have been persecuted for over seven decades and need their human rights respected, need freedom, need justice. And so, who Andrew Yang, who he's pandering to, is a very right wing, and, and we did see. Who the people that actually applauded Andrew Yang's comments? You had uh, Ted Cruz and Stephen Miller came out and applauded uh, Andrew Yang's comments. And those are the people he's pandering to. And I hope he'll find out, I think he will, that he is sadly miscalculated. Stephen, the
0: Mi- Stephen Miller, the, the architect of the harshest, most racist anti immigrant policies of the Trump administration, likes Andrew Yang's position on Israel and the Palestinians let's talk about how another member of uh of government is actually standing up to Israel and challenging the US government to do better and that's uh Michigan representative you are in Michigan uh Rashida Tlaib she is demanding that the US uh, take action uh Alexandra Casio Cortez of New York is also speaking up saying that US aid to Israel and other countries should be conditioned on <laughs> what these countries do with US military Aid and weapons are um, members of the of the squad. Finally, breaking the Democratic Party allegiance to the state of Israel.
1: I think they are taking us forward uh, leaps and bounds, and it's great. We have. Uh, U.S. uh, Congressional Representative uh, Betty McCollum that introduced a very important House Resolution uh, 2590, which I hope all listeners will call their members of Congress and urge them to sign on to. And House Resolution 2590 calls on a basically will prohibit U.S. funding because the U.S. government gives the Israeli military $3.8 billion a year. This would prohibit U.S. tax dollars from being used to commit human rights abuses, three specifically, one for the uh, torture and detention of Palestinian children, two for the demolition of Palestinian homes, and three for the uh, annexation of Palestinian territory. Uh, these are all human rights violations. USA should not be going to fund that. And this is what this bill says. And all of the, the representatives that you named are co signers on this bill, but we need many more. And those same heroes in Congress are uh, uh, sending a letter to Secretary of State uh, Anthony Blinken calling for more decisive action uh, on Sheikh Sharrah and on the issue of of Israeli settlements and that uh, we expect to have at least a dozen, if not more, members of Congress sign on to that letter.
0: And then finally, Huweda, let's uh, very overtly call out US media coverage of what's been happening in the last two weeks in Israel and Palestine. It's so interesting that when it comes to laying blame on Palestinians, the media use the active voice, Palestinians responsible for Hamas doing this, that or the other, but when it comes to things that the Israeli forces are responsible for, or the settlers are responsible for, you hear euphemisms and the passive voice, like uh, violence or clashes or scuffles or skirmishes were responsible for, Palestinian deaths and injuries. And it just seems so tone deaf and out of touch now. I mean, it's 2021 and this is just so 2000, right?
1: Yeah. Yes, you're exactly right. And so deliberately, um, not only misleading, but ridiculous. There was a headline the other day um, pointing out the fact that Palestinian children were killed, but um Palestinian, it said something like nine Palestinian children killed in latest fighting with Israel. Really? These Palestinian children were fighting with Israel? No, mm-hmm. Israel bombed them and killed them in the streets and in their homes. Uh, so it is just lazy and deliberately misleading um, headlines and, and news stories. And it is pathetic and I think um, deeply discrediting to these organizations, especially in this age of social media where we don't have to, people don't have to turn to these organizations that are um, you know, misleading us. And the trust of the uh, mainstream media, the distrust is very wide. And when we have people on the ground reporting, uh, that's I think who main people are looking to and that's who we should look to. With it. And these journalists that are being lazy or deliberately misleading, I think will find that they're doing themselves a disservice as well as the overall cause of human rights and justice.
0: I think you're being very forgiving and calling them lazy. It seems a very deliberate, uh, you know, tra- a deliberate attempt to avoid ever blaming Israel for anything, because that would suddenly result in far more questioning of Israel's lack of moral authority on any of these issues, and of course, it would undermine the arguments for the U.S pouring so much of our tax money into uh, fortifying Israel against basically uh, Palestinians, Palestinian children, Palestinians living in their own homes, etc. Uh, Hueda, I want to thank you You're for right. all your work. Right. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you for all your work and for always being this beacon of truth on this issue. Appreciate
1: everything you do. Thank you for all you do, Sonali, and for helping us get the truth out. My guest has
0: been Hueda Araf, Palestinian-American lawyer and human rights activist, co-founder of the International Solidarity Movement, former chair of the Free Gaza Movement. She's a Palestine and refugees correspondent for Rising Up with Sonali. We've been discussing the latest chapter of Israeli violence against Palestinians. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.